0: One, two, one, two, three, and. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your presence, Jesus, the power. And we come and worship you, Lord. This is all due unto you, Lord, all for you. We're singing over fear. We're dancing over doubt. This is how we overcome blood and by the sound of our testimony, of our endless praise. This is how we overcome, by the sound of Jesus' name. Freedom is found at the sound of your name, the sound of your name.
1: Spirit's like
0: one to my soul, and you are. Really? As we lay our lives down. you choose to saying, Lord, we choose to be holy and set apart for you, for you and you alone. Come on, one more time. Make it personal. Refine, fire. And read. Thanks for joining us for Anchor at Home. Want to remind everyone to continue to check the website for updates concerning the Anchor Church. We also want to say we are so excited to be with you for our first in-person service in a while, starting next Sunday, June 7th. Be sure to check the website. That's theanchor.me to sign up and register so that you can be a part of service with us. And speaking of signing up, we also want to remind everyone that Anchor small groups are now live and you can sign up for those as well. One final thing, parents and kids, we hope you guys have been enjoying the videos for
1: Anchor Kids. If you'd like to watch those, the links are in the description below. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. I want to begin by simply saying, wherever you are tuning in from, we are so excited for the opportunity to be with you for today's Anchor at Home. As I was preparing for today's message, I was reminded of one of our summer camps from when I lived and youth pastor in North Carolina. Now, outside of the incredible move of God that happened that week, the main thing that's been sticking out to me over the past few days was how when my friend, that year's camp speaker, when he kept referring to the students as one word while he was preaching. It's kind of hard to explain, but it's like... When he would call the students this one word, it was like in my spirit, it would just jump as if God was stamping his approval on it, saying, yes, that's the way I see them, too. Now, maybe you're sitting there going, man, what in the world was that one word? The one word was simply this. It was the word leader. With that in mind, it has been my experience that when a speaker like Damon looks at a crowd of people like those students and says, God has called every one of you to be a leader, Most people in the audience nod their head in agreement, they may give a good, well, amen, but in all reality, when it comes down to it, they really struggle to believe that word in their heart. Have you ever wondered why that's the case? I I personally believe many people don't view themselves as a leader for a number of reasons, but I only want to focus on four at this time. The first one is this. The first reason is because some folks buy into the cultural misconception that a leader must have a title. Therefore, they believe this lie that if you haven't been given some title, if you haven't been assigned some title, then somehow that means that you haven't been chosen to be a leader. That might sound great in theory, but in reality, that is incorrect. The second reason people have a hard time believing that they are a leaders because, is because of this, because they compare themselves to current or great leaders of the past. The only problem with this line of thinking, guys, is when most of us begin to compare our accomplishments with those that we, you know, admire greatly, not too many of us really match up. You know, after all, an Abraham Lincoln or a Billy Graham, they don't exactly walk through the door every day, do they? So to think that we aren't a real leader because we're not like those guys, that's really doing ourselves a huge disservice. The third reason I believe people really struggle with, you know, seeing themselves as a leader is because every person doesn't have a big personality. You know, for some reason in the culture we live in today, we we think that that people got to have some kind of, uh, you know, some incredible charisma if they're going to be a great leader, but that isn't the case. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. The last reason people struggle with this idea is because they focus too much on their, don't miss this, they focus too much on their inadequacies, their shortcomings, and their past history. It is my opinion that to do so is equally incorrect and equally wrong as the three other reasons we've already mentioned. My point is this, guys, is that far too many of us unnecessarily disqualify ourselves before we even give ourselves half a chance to see what God might have in store for our lives. You see, the truth is, is God doesn't even look at us through those four filters that we consistently look at ourselves through. But, you know, when we read the Bible, we find that He actually chooses to see us according to His plans and His purpose, that He chooses to see us through our potential in Him. You know, the life stories of Moses, Gideon, Jeremiah, they're all great examples of this. So I want to encourage all of us today to stop, you know, looking at our culture and ask ourselves, How does God define leadership in His kingdom? That's a really important question. How does God define leadership in His kingdom? Because we are citizens of His kingdom. I believe the answer to that question is found in one word, and that's influence. You see, the word influence simply means the ability to have an effect on another person's life through our words, our actions and our attitudes. If I could say that again, the ability to have an effect on another person's character, their development and even their behavior, their life through our words, our actions and yes, even our attitudes. This truth slash definition echoes the words of John, uh, John Maxwell when he said this. He said, leadership is not about titles, positions, or flowcharts. It is about one life influencing another. So as you can see, leadership at its best is nothing more and nothing less than a relational influence or relational equity that we have with another person. So with those thoughts in mind, let's look at how Jesus uh, defined it in Matthew chapter 5. He said this, he said, Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. And then verse 14 says, Your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance, for how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's a place where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. The first thing I want us to notice from this short passage of Scripture is this, is that Jesus refers to our relational influence as salt and light. Which means this, because of our influence as salt, we have the responsibility to live our lives in such a way that it would make others thirsty for Jesus, that it would make them thirsty for the very one who is the living water. Which means that all these people that live around us in this region we live in, that every single one of them, according to that last verse we read, that they would benefit greatly from us because the kingdom of God resides in us and flows through us. The second thing I want us to notice here is the outcome of what happens when a believer actually chooses to become a person of influence, when they actually choose to become a salt and the light in the area they live in. It says this in verse 16, Jesus said, let your light or let your influence shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, Jesus said that He desires that the result from our words, the result from our actions, the result from our attitudes would be, uh, you know, so impactful that it would make such a statement that every single person that we come into contact with, that they would ultimately want to know and glorify the God that we know. All right, let's sit on this idea of influence for another minute. Have you ever wondered why influence is so powerful? I believe the reason is pretty simple. I believe it's because of this, because we all have it. See, through the power of influence, every one of us have the ability to affect someone every day. It is true. People are impacted by what we say and by what we do every single day, if we realize it or not. So when you begin to consider that, realize this, guys, that you do have a voice, that your actions and your attitude do hold weight with others, that your love for God is noticed, that people are watching you. And if we realize it or not, guess what? They do emulate and follow us. So guess what? All of that means simply this, that we are qualified to be leaders in the kingdom of God if you don't believe me listen to this sociologists tell us that the most introverted person so if you're in your mind for a second but you know imagine the most introverted person you know some of you guys may be sitting there going yeah that's me uh but but sociologists tell us that the most introverted person will influence ten thousand people in an average lifetime that's incredible think about it that no matter how shy we are We all have an opportunity to affect an amazing amount of people. And and that's not even trying, according to that sociologist. And how do we do it? Simply by our words, once again, by our actions and by our attitudes. So imagine what would happen with me for a moment if we actually became intentional in using our influence for the kingdom of God. Like What would happen if we actually began to live our lives in a way where we made Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, our daily goal? I believe the results would be absolutely staggering in what God would do through us. All right. So I want to take a minute just to take this a touch deeper. I hope as you're hearing this, that you are realizing that a part of the real issue today isn't whether or not we will have influence or whether we will lead someone because we're already doing that if we realize it or not. But but the question is really this, what kind of influencer and what kind of leader will we choose to be? Listen to this quote that I read years ago by J.R. Miller. He said this: He said, "There have been meeting of only a moment which have left impressions for life, for eternity." That's kind of worded a little different than, than we taught today, but it simply means this: that, that there's been uh, times in the past where one person met another person and made an impact on them for their life. But then he goes on to say this: he says, No one can understand that mysterious thing we call influence. Yet every one of us continually exerts influence, either to heal, to bless, to leave marks of beauty, or to wound, to hurt, to poison, or to stain others' lives. So, with that quote in mind, I want us to ask ourselves have our words, our actions, our attitudes made people? Think about that for a second. Our kids our spouse, our parents, our teachers, our classmates, our friends, our siblings, all the relationships that we have to think, have our words, our actions, and our attitudes made any of them feel wounded or valued? Has our influence made people want to know and glorify God, or has it done the opposite? Has it turned them off to God because of the way we are? Is our influence hurting the kingdom or is it benefiting the kingdom? That's what it's really about today. So I don't know how you're answering that, but I will admit to you today that I've personally done both more times than I would like to admit. There's been plenty of moments where I've fallen on my face and absolutely embarrassed the kingdom of God. And then there's been times, thankfully, where I've gotten it right. But I've learned over the years, and the the magnitude and the weight of those moments, especially when you when you have to repent again and again for just being stupid. Uh, you know, I've learned that maybe I need to take First Timothy chapter four verse twelve and kind of make it a goal for my life. It says this: It says, "Let no one despise your youth." but be an example. Isn't that what influence really is about? It's about setting an example. And he says to do this, to be an example to the believers. And I'll add how much more to the unbelievers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Before we close today, I want you to know that over the years, I've had to learn that the only way that I can actually do what 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 says is by actually heeding the words of Peter that's found in 1 Peter 2, 21. Listen to what Peter told us. He said, for to this you were called. Get that, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us what? An example. An example that you should do what? That you should follow His steps. I love what the word example means there, because in the, in the Greek language it means this. It means tracing letters. It means to copy the writings of the teacher. So in other words, if you can imagine with me for a moment, Peter is saying that as we set our hearts to follow Jesus, to follow His example, our lives become like a thin sheet of paper that's actually laid on the top of the life of Jesus for the purpose of what? For the purpose of tracing, or copy the way that He lived His life. In other words, so we could follow Him. I just believe by doing this consistently, we'll find ourselves after a while that our words begin to sound like the words of Jesus, that our conduct will start to mimic His, that our love and our spirit will begin to resemble His, and lastly, that our faith and our purity will begin to match His. Maybe I'm crazy, but I just believe when all that begins to happen, it's pretty impossible to keep us from having a positive influence on every single person we meet. So I don't know about you, but all I'm saying is I want to make it my goal to be like Jesus, not just admire him. Because if we realize it or not, Jesus is the source of our influence. Let me show you actually what happens when we set in our hearts to make Jesus our source, that, that literally as we try to influence people that we pull from him. It says this in Acts 4.13. I'm gonna give you two verses out of the book of Acts. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, meaning that these guys weren't professionals like the Pharisees. It says that when they looked at them, they marveled and they realized that they had been or they had followed Jesus. Fast forward and let's see what happened in Acts chapter 17, verse six. It says this about the same group of people. It says, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Talk about the power of influence that literally everywhere they went that the kingdom of God shook the kingdom of darkness and people couldn't help but to notice. I personally believe that it's possible that as we submit our lives to God out of obedience, that our influence has the ability to gain so much momentum that we will actually find ourselves in supernatural moments, that we'll find ourselves in divine appointments with people on a regular basis. Let me give you an example of this. And some of you guys have heard me say this before, uh, but this story has made such an impact on my life. I just want to share it in light of what we're talking about today. Reinhard Bunke wrote this in his book called Faith. He said this, he said, During the years of our tent crusades in Africa, my music minister, Adam Mitswini, and I were looking for a new platform organ, and we went from shop to shop in the city of Johannesburg. He said it was noon, and there was one more shop to visit. He said, On arrival, I saw a a, uh, salesman hanging around the lunch break room, but I thought he had hardly noticed us. My colleague and I went from instrument to instrument, but suddenly that lone salesman stood in front of me. He went on to say that his eyes were wide open and his face was white as a sheet. And he just said, sir, as he tried to stammer out, I, I-, I can see Jesus in your eyes. Reinhardt went on to say, I was dumbfounded. How can this be? I thought a total stranger says he can see Jesus in my eyes. We had something like a revival in the music shop. And when I left walking to the car, here's what Reinhardt said. He said, I said, Lord, I will never understand how something like this is possible. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me, no problem. Through faith, Jesus lives in your heart. And sometimes he likes to come look out the windows. That's an incredible story. Isn't it amazing to think about how when we walk with Jesus, even our very presence can change atmospheres when we walk in the room. Isn't it crazy how uh, our very present can make an incredible impact for the kingdom of God? So in closing, with everything that's going on around us, I simply want to encourage you to never underestimate the significance of your influence. Don't pull back from the idea that that you have the ability to influence every single person that you come into contact with this moment. Don't downgrade your calling. Don't overlook the opportunities or the power of a God-ordained moment that can potentially be surrounding you even today. I want you to know today that your life matters, that you were made to make a difference. Please, whatever you do, don't ever doubt that in Jesus' name. I want to pray for you really quick. Just a fast prayer. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to believe today that we are called to be people of great influence. In fact, Lord, your word says in Daniel that we are called to be people who do great exploits. Lord, today we break off everything that would cause us to not believe that. And we choose to believe your word because we know your word is true. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much again for joining us today for this Anchor at Home. God bless you. We love you, and we'll see you soon.